Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Happy Rant Podcast with myself, Stephen Altrogi, and my co-hosts, Barnabas Piper and Ted Cluck. Guys, we've got something special coming up in just a minute, a very special guest who uh, I couldn't personally be more excited. He's a bit of a mentor, um, a father figure to me. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor. we got a new sponsor, and uh, Barnabas, my phone is actually not I, – I took it out of the case this week. Bold move. That- that uh, bold or foolish, depending on depending on what perspective. Well, you're I have from. I have a new confidence to take it out of the case because of this this new sponsor. Uh, so you want to spell out the details? That's that's true. It does sort of uh, it does sort of deflate the foolishness of that. I I have replaced probably five telephones over the last three years between myself and my wife. Most of those were hers, and uh, and it's very expensive to do that, even if you have insurance from a carrier. So. That's why we are very excited to have Lemon Street Mobile sponsoring the podcast. Uh, you can go to lemstreet.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the business. It's not just a company. I talked to the owner-operator, a guy named Brian Swank. He's a really good guy. They're based out of Pennsylvania. Is that really his last name, Swank? Yes. So it's kind of like being Brian Swag, except not not quite as cool. So Brian Swank, uh, the lifestyle that you love to live, Stephen. It is. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the the lifestyle that you're now living now that you're rolling in in dough from your your new business endeavors, literally, literally lo- yeah, rolling, yeah, rolling in around dough. in it. Um, because you read the book Mega by Chaz Murray. I did. That's I right. Did. Yes, and, and yeah, father figure and all that. Yep. Um, so Brian runs this business himself. It's a local business that he is taking national, and he's doing a fantastic job. the The cool thing about it is he's he's very experienced in phone repair and everything. But he uses this as an opportunity to connect with members of his community. When I talked to him on the phone, he was just coming from a house call where he went in to fix somebody's phone and had a chance to share the gospel with them, have a good conversation about their life. So he's, he's doing really cool stuff through a business endeavor. But let me tell you about the business piece of it because that's really what our listeners will benefit from since they won't probably get a house call from Brian since he only does that locally. So they offer protection plans for phones, and it's it's normally $5 a month. So that's about half the price that you pay through AT&T or Verizon. And they it's a $69 deductible if something was to happen to your phone and you need to have it repaired. That is less than half the price. So I have paid the $200 deductible multiple times to fix phones, and it stinks. So $69 is something I will definitely be taking advantage of. In fact, I might just throw my phone right now for that opportunity. Plus, you um, get to deal with a, like a real person, not yes. like a mega corporation where you're like filling out eight forms and yep. it, it's. Uh, I'm a big fan of dealing with small companies where you get right to the person. I I don't know. I'm I'm a big Brian, fan of that. Brian is running this business while his wife is still in school. I mean, it's it's his business, so he's going to keep doing it. But he's they're living a real life. You're supporting a real person. So the deal that they are offering to podcast listeners is a 10% discount on the protection plan, the deductible, if you use Happy Rant as a as a discount code at checkout. So Happy Rant is a discount code. That's at lemstreet.com. The other how do you, how do you spell that? Just for the Lem word. is L yeah L E M as in uh, Mary or Marriott. Mm. So lemstreet.com. Pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, Check the other out thing code is, Happy Rant. 
at your aunt, you'll get a 10% increase uh, in value on any trade-in that you do. So they do they do offer trade-in services as well. So uh, you'll whatever quote you would get on the phone, they will offer 10% more using that same Happy Rant checkout code. So that's Lemon Street Mobile, lemstreet.com. Happy Rant is the is the uh, discount code at checkout. Protection plan, $5 a month, $69 deductible. And uh, you'll get a 10% discount on that and a 10% increase in trade and value. Pretty sweet deal for a small business run by a great guy. So check that out. Ted, given that you're still using, aren't you still on like the iPhone 4, original, something like that? Yeah, I'm on the iPhone 4. I'm looking at it right now. I was going to say, this is a gr- this is an opportunity to upgrade for you. Get the new 6S. Dude, yeah, so what, what would that look like for me? I have no idea. You're going to have to go to lemstreetmobile.com. Well, what, uh, you could just drop your phone and then see if there's a trade-in option. Uh, okay. The other thing is, this is not one of those uh, protection plans where there's loopholes where they're like, oh, you dropped it in a pool. We don't cover that. It covers accidental damage, water damage. And any sort of technical malfunction. So you know what, we should do a bit here on the program where I like smash my phone with a hammer and then send it in. <laughs> we should do sort of like some a good per- radio, a performance art kind of piece. Yeah, performance art piece. <laughs> See, Brian is a Brian told me about how he listened to this podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, he and his wife moved from Wisconsin to Pennsylvania, I think, last summer. And they binge listened to the Happy wow. Rant, which made me question his sanity. But I also really appreciated him. So Sounds I'm like not nice sure. I'm, I'm not sure yeah, exactly. I mean, we were great company the whole way. I'm not sure that uh, that smashing the phone on on the podcast would go over so well because he might find out about it. That's true. Well, guys, uh, we, we've got a big a big segment coming up. This is something that we literally have been planning and orchestrating for months, uh, arranging details. A lot of paper. There's been a lot of paperwork involved. Ted, you've been intricately involved in this process. Mm. Uh, we are very pleased to have, for the first time ever, uh, on the podcast, a friend of ours, a mentor, a guide, uh, the author of Mega, um, how to. What's the title, Ted? Again, how to uh, what? Yeah, n- nice research, Stephen. The the book is called uh, <laughs> the book's called Mega. I do Get as those. much research as you do. <laughs> well, I, I know the title of the book, so I'll uh, I'll share that now. It's called Mega. Get noticed all the time for everything by uh, by Chaz Marriott, and it was the it was the first title that uh, that I acquired at Gut Check Press, um, kind of outside the Gut Check family, as it were. So Zach and I were really. Uh, Really excited to bring Chaz on board, and uh, and the book, uh, if you're not familiar, is a business book. Um, so it's a book on business, a book on leadership, and it's sort of in the vein of uh, of Michael Hyatt's book Platform. So it's really how to get more people to like you and, and give uh, you money and give you money exactly. So uh, it was an important book, and I, and I have to say, this is kind of strange. I mean, it's sort of for me like worlds colliding here on the program with uh, with my dear dear friend uh, Chaz. Uh, in studio with uh, with with two acquaintances. So, uh, Chaz, you know. welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, Stevie, Bubby, Booby, Buddy, how you doing, man? It's good to be on here on the Happy Rant with my my uh, my buds, uh, you know, Barnabas, son of the great Bill Hybels, and uh, <laughs> just just wonderful. Uh, and that other guy that uh, was just talking, wonderful. Good to be here, guys. Now, now, Chaz, if you could just give Chaz, us a, miss uh, some. <laughs> Chaz, if, if you could just give us a, a little, you know, update on what you've been doing. I mean, there, you know, there have been rumors uh, on Gawker and on, you know, People Magazine for as another one. Some involving Kardashians. Um, mm. So I, I just, what's been going on lately? 
What am I doing? I'm sitting in my uh, beautiful timeshare in suburban Orlando right now, reframing my best practices for core competencies. Uh, you know, I'm there's a lot going on right now. I own a legitimate New York publishing house. We give advances. We do. We'll I'll acquire all your books right now. I don't care. Listen, <laughs> are you no. snorting cocaine as we speak? <laughs> Chaz, Chaz, what does that look like uh, logistically for you to acquire our uh, our book manuscripts? This is uh, this is interesting for us, and I'm I'm sure it's going to be interesting for our readers. What would that? Do you look- have any cereal? <laughs> not not on me. Not here in the studio. I don't want to talk deals. Then I want to talk marketing. I want to talk publicity. I want to talk all this sort of stuff. Target demo. Mm. Do you see what I just did right there? That was a subheading. I'm doing subheadings now in conversations. <laughs> nice. Subheadings nice. are so important, and people don't do them while they're talking because people, write this down, are stupid. Target demo. Target demo is what you want to be thinking about, and our three of you are horrible at it. <laughs> now, uh, now, uh, Chaz, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, but Barnabas works in marketing. Maybe you guys can share some uh, some best practices here today on the program. My best practices are reframing as we speak, so I can't do that. But listen... I don't know, Barnabas. Do you know what target demo means? I I do know what target demo means, and I also know that the majority of target demo doesn't take kindly to being called stupid. Generally <laughs> speaking, at, at the at the risk of contradicting uh, the one with with uh, a higher profile on a larger platform, that that just struck me as a little bit odd. Okay, let me back up just a little bit. All right, so Barn- both Barnabas and, and Chaz, uh, you know, let's say I have a book manuscript and I, I really want to promote it. Um, I'd like to compare the differences between how the two of you would promote a book manuscript. So Chaz, mm. let, let's say I'm bringing a book to you and I want it to go big. What would you do? You want to identify your target demo. <laughs> target demo is industry speak. It's short for something. I don't. I don't know what. It's, I don't think anyone knows what it's short for. But you want to find these people. You want to find out what connects with them. Is it a Christian book? Uh, for the sake of example, yes. All right, then you're trying to sell it to women, middle-aged also, women. Yes, in general. That's your target demo. I want you to think meditation, pictures of you doing yoga, pictures of you holding a baby with no shirt on, pictures of you doing soul kegels. I want you to think uh, who, how do you make yourself seem more womanly to your target demo? Your target demos, it, listen, this is not – and I didn't mean to call him stupid earlier, uh, uh, Barney Booby. I, I, your target demo are the people – when, you, when your family tells you you have to choose between your life of marketing and self-promotion and them, your target demo becomes like a new family. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to mute you guys just a second. <laughs> I'm Chaz, back. Chaz? Now, your target demo. Yeah, Ted. Is, is there any such thing as... Uh, it, would you say anybody here in the studio has has done too much marketing? Has anybody, um, you know, kind of reached a, a sad level of self promotion? A, a no. saturation point, to use some industry speak. Yeah, impossible. You know who does the best marketing I've ever seen? Ted Strongbow. He mm. took prayer and he turned it into a patent pending, you know, <laughs> cash cow. Yeah, 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 that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Uh, listen, you you tell people it's not what I want. It's what I can give you. I.e., I'm your white knight. I can give them to you. Well, I, 
Chaz, I have a question for you. Um, some of the most successful uh, sales book sales out there, they the design of them features uh, usually a um, a man in a suit, usually the author, and just his face prominently on the cover. Uh, say in Joel Osteen's case, he's smiling. In T.D. Jakes's case, he's looking rather uh, rather maybe delicious. lordly is the right word. <laughs> yes. Did you say delicious or malicious? I did. I said oh, delicious. Del- okay, most. perfect. Yes, um, is, delicious and malicious. Is that how does that reach target demo? Is that an effective way of reaching t- said target demo? It's effective, but it's not the most effective. What they need to do is zoom out and get their wives in. In Osteen's case, he's smart because his wife has crazy eyes. But you want to get your <laughs> wife involved in the, the pictorials. And write this down. Does everyone have a pen? Your wife needs to look like Bo Derek if Bo Derek were dressed in a very conservative sweater. Gabish. Gabish. Chaz, what, uh, what, what would you say is the value of family? Uh, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to start implementing some of this in my in my book marketing. But uh, what we say is the are value. you going to are you going to marry a Bo Derek lookalike? Uh, I'm already married to a Bo Derek lookalike. I mean, I haven't met your wife, so I'm I'm uh, I didn't mean to insult. Oh, I'm no, sure she's a no, lovely no, lady. You know, that was the first thing that that was my only criteria. I mean, that's we, working out for you. That works. That's good. Yeah, that yeah. on your Match.com profile, that was the only thing you checked. Well, because I was thinking about my career. Right. You know, nothing nothing comes before career. Right. You intuitively, intuitively followed Chaz's piece of advice. That's that's really sad. Okay, so Chaz, family, as Ted was saying, family. Yeah, well, listen, I don't ever have my son Snake on any of my marketing <laughs> materials at all, although he is a valued member of my team. But mm-hmm. I, I don't recommend getting – you don't want people to think that you have a life outside of marketing. That's mm-hmm. That's what you want to avoid. I want you to focus instead on the whiteness of your teeth, the bodericiness of your wife, <laughs> and your hair. Your hair is important. I believe, listen, have you heard of my chazronyms? They're words where you take the first letter of each of the word, and each of those letters has another word nesting inside of it. And an important one is the word hair, having aggressive intentional resources. <laughs> my hair is enormous, and that's how I know I'm a successful promoter. Chaz, give us a couple of more uh, chazronyms, if you would. I'm really interested in this concept. Chazronyms. Let's see. How about this one? Seagal. Seeing everything going away lately. <laughs> no, no, I that, live that with martial artist Steven Seagal above a karate dojo. Does that mean that I'm not a sought-after expert in social marketing? No. Uh, in what context would you use the acronym, uh, sorry, the Chazronym, Seagal? Uh, if you asked me, you know, what, what's been the trajectory of my, my personal life lately? <laughs> it's it's very Seagal. <laughs> very Seagal. Seeing everything go, going away lately. It's always darkest before the dawn, and it is dark, my friend. <laughs> the dawn is coming. Now, I did want to ask you. You you've obviously you've lived the high life. You know you've you're very successful. What what does your what, what do you do when you're not marketing? When you're not promoting? I mean, what's your life? What can we aspire to? What can we look forward to in terms of our lives? If you are doing anything that's not marketing, you can't look forward to, to having any kind of a life. You, you, <laughs> your whole existence is marketing. That's the kind of thing I keep telling people. Now, if listen, for example, I was the other day, I was out, I was getting a sub sandwich at Subway. Subway is a kind of a regional restaurant we have uh, down here in suburban Orlando where you can get sandwiches, hoagie sandwiches. It's a little neighborhood now, sandwich shop. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, there was a, a local Cuban, joint. Yeah. There was a Cuban man there. 
and uh, because it, they they have Cuban sandwiches there. Um, and when when he turned around and he said, "Aren't you Chaz Marriott?" and I said, "Yes, who are you?" and he told me who he was. You know who he was? Fidel Castro. Who? You know what? <laughs> Listen, racism is a disease. Cuban racism is a problem. And you guys, you guys sit there high and mighty thinking that you're above it, but you're not. You know who it was? I have no idea because they all look the same to me. But he told me he worked in the TV industry. And then I proceeded in line at the sandwich shop to pitch to him my a spec screenplay for a pilot for a television series about two men who live together above a karate dojo. And I call it Friends, and I think it's going to be the next big thing. Mm, I like that. I, I like it a lot. Well, Chaz, be- <laughs> Chaz before you go... Uh, let's say that there's you know some young kids listening, and they mm-hmm. want to know how can they how can they make it, how can they break you know break through barriers, accomplish great things, you know I'm talking teens, high school. What advice what what advice would you give them? Hang on a minute, that's my agent. Okay, Booby, I'm on a podcast. Got to let you go. Young people was the question. Kids, young kids, listen. Yeah. Everything is changing. Change is the only constant. That's something that I coined. When people say that, they have to pay me a nickel. The world is changing. Ten years ago, nuclear was the preferred waste. You could dump it anywhere. Now everybody's a detective. You see what I mean? If you want to be a successful self-promoter, you need to immerse yourself in self-promotion. You need to become a method actor, if you will. And, and listen, Booby, listen to my podcasts, business and all that chaz. If you listen to them, you will glean wisdom. And in gleaning wisdom, you will learn how to take things about yourself that are unique, things about yourself that set you apart, things that are maybe uh, aspects of your personality that are, uh, you know, have, they make you a human being. They, they involve being, you know, you know sort of uh, uh, open and, 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 and willing to interact. You just shove them all down deep. You shove them down, you shove them down, and then you poop them out, and then you forget them. And you yourself have to become kind of a, a, a vapid, two-dimensional uh, caricature, if you will. Steven, you're pretty good at this. You, you know, you, you, you see how you, in order to make money, in order to, to, uh, to. Steven's all about making money. We just heard about that. I am. Off the air. I am. And he, he does excel at vapid. That's I am. I yes. do. Yes. Ted, you're not very good at this, but you have great hair, so that's all right. Uh, Barnabas, I heard that people were talking about you, how you look like a J.C. Penny's mannequin, and and that's good. You all have to have one thing about yourself that's unique, and then all the rest needs to be kind of a a uh, uh, mean, if you will. Add up everybody in the J.C. Penny's catalog, divide by the number of people, and that's who you need to be, an androgynous, uh, characteristic-less self promoting machine a self-aware self-promoting machine capiche listen one more piece of advice i have for you you want to be successful you remember this a b c always be concerned concerned with what concerned with closing a b c write that down get a tattoo always be concerned and and you will be successful if you if you live that if you think on that if you if you breathe that eat and sleep Always be concerned uh, with closing, and you will be successful. Chaz, we appreciate your time. We know that you're busy. 
We know that you and uh, Steven Seagal have a lot going on. You've got a, a pilot in the works. Not uh, true. Uh, no, he's just eating top ramen all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, and uh, we 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 aspire to be like you, and we we look up to you. So thank you. You're welcome. Hey, anytime, guys. Anytime. And hey, if you have any kind of work you need done, and I'm not just talking about social media. I mean around the house or you know <laughs> leaves, gutters to be cleaned out, anything. You know how to, where to find me. Thanks. Thanks, Chaz. Appreciate it. Peace out. That uh, that that interview was groundbreaking, and you'll probably want to go back and listen to that several times. Uh, we're going to move on from that. We're going to move on to a, a subject. Ted, this week you wrote a piece that we featured on the site, the Blazing Center. Uh, it was actually, it was a great piece. A lot of people liked it. Uh, Excellent product placement, by the way. Chaz would be proud. Yeah, uh, DraftKings. Uh, ESPN paid me to say that. Uh, it was about DraftKings and FanDuel, and uh, it got a good response. So, Ted, what was the article about? What was your main point there? Yeah, I mean, if you watch any any football, if you've watched any football this fall, you've you've been you know barraged with these. Uh, they call them one week fantasy sites where. Uh, it's essentially kind of legalized gambling for the the rest of America that isn't Las Vegas, um, but it's a way to uh, to to wager money on pro football. And uh, these these companies, FanDuel and DraftKings, have been advertising so much. It feels like you you sort of watch hours on end of these ads with a little bit of football uh, sprinkled in. It's like being and, uh, waterboarded with these commercials, dude. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're punished for watching pro football for for having to sit through these ads. But uh, but yeah, I watched. I think it was a Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't sleep that night. And uh, I had this this essay kind of rattling around about um, not only the ads, but the kind of guy that they use in the ads. You know, just being this kind of sharky young male who's supposed to look essentially like us. You know, um, kind of very ordinary looking, and uh, and and that's the point. You know, well, they speak they for want- yourself. Well, yeah. Apparently, you look like a J.C. Penney's mannequin. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting there. that on my business cards. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. But uh, but no, the essay came out of that, and uh, and just kind of how how I guess I saw the the unredeemed version of myself and these guys and these ads, and uh, and and really how chilling it is. You know, you you watch hour after hour of those uh, those advertisements, and you you really see, um, you know what what life could be like without Christ. You mean like pouring yourself into gamble uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, that kind of thing? I, I think you, you you bought said gambling, and I think that's probably a pretty fair term for those sites. I yeah. don't I mean I I'm not I love fantasy football as a game and I think and I think you know playing in leagues for money with friends or something is is one thing, but like the those leagues are it's a casino. They are advertising mm-hmm. a casino. The guy who's like, well I brought in thirty nine dollars and I've won one point two million See, he's the only one in the universe who's done that, which, but, but that's the draw, and it's exactly how casinos market. I mean, it, so that, yeah, it, is a, it is a gambling platform. Now, Barnabas, would you, would you ever do something like DraftKings, FanDuel, something like that? I, you know, I'm, prior to this year, I would have said no, but only because of time. Now I look at it and I go, I'm just waiting for the stories to come out of the people who have got, who have, how this has how this has subverted somebody who who had just escaped a gambling problem, mm-hmm. and now they they got into these sites and they're sucked back in. How somebody lost their home, how somebody lost their job. I mean, this is this strikes me as the kind of thing 
that uh, that's really, really risky and dangerous. Yeah. And and one of Ted's points in the article was how they give this illusion that it's the everyman. So you look at these guys and you're like, oh, that's not a J. Crew model who's doing this. It's not the, it's it's not somebody so different than me. That that's a guy who lives in the apartment next door, and he won forty thousand dollars, so I can do the same thing. And it's it it seems it just the whole thing gives off a vibe of being really devious. You know what feels interesting to me too that that to me feels a little bit different than like gambling on slot machines or something like that is it does feel like it appeals somewhat to your knowledge of football. Like if you're mm-hmm. good enough, it's not pure luck. And I'm not saying that this is the reality, but it's almost like if you're good enough and you know enough about football and you can pick the right players, then you're going to win money. And it's just like, oh, well, I can do that. I mean, this isn't just a slot machine. This is like, this is something I can actually do. Do you guys get that vibe at all? Totally. I think it appeals to the male ego, you know, yes. and uh, and all sports gambling does that. And the, the, the times that I've been in Vegas and have been sort of, you know, tempted to, to gamble on sports or have even put a, a few dollars on sports, uh, it, it's very much that. It's like, well, I played football and I coach, so I, I know more about this. Therefore, I'm going to win, which is ridiculous, you know. Um, but I think they're they're definitely catering to that mentality, and it's a it's a very kind of insidious and and smart way to to rope people in. Well, I the the other thing I saw I saw an article that said that showed how the winnings broke down, and it was something like two percent of players won ninety percent of the money, mm. and I mean, and so it is the classic sharks and minnows kind of thing. There there are gamblers who know how to beat casinos. They're not allowed to go to most casinos anymore, but uh, but that's it's the same with this game. Like there, yes, there are people who figure out how to be career winners at these things, but for the average person, loses money or doesn't really win anything. And and, and I think like most things involving betting and gambling, if you do this with with limits on yourself, both in terms of the time spent and the money put into it, and you don't have a gambling problem, there's probably nothing inherently wrong with it. I just think that it is. I think it's something that people look at as something other than gambling that will suck people into those habits and that mindset because of what you said, Stephen, in terms of playing on the ego and and giving the illusion of being a skill game and what is really still ultimately a game of chance. Now, Ted, do you think – I guess let me just ask a bit of a broader question. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like gambling would be wrong? Like if someone said to you, is it okay to gamble on sports? How would you answer Mm -hmm. that question? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think I think I could say with some certainty that in almost every case, it would be unwise. Um, I don't know if it's morally wrong, but I, I think it's it's just unwise. You know, it's probably from a stewardship standpoint, wrong, um, you know, in, in part because if you win, you're going to want to do it again. Yeah. Um, and if you lose, you, you just have to you have to wake up with that horrible feeling of I put something out there and I got nothing in return. Right. Um, and I think that's the worst kind of Vegasy feeling of, you know, whether it's playing a slot machine or playing a hand of blackjack or betting on a football game and losing and walking away with nothing. It's just the the worst feeling, you know. Yeah. And, and I think and the danger of that is if you, if you're a competitive person, that's not tolerable to you. So you right, have to go back right. and make up for what you lost. So it's you 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 go double or nothing, triple or nothing, and then you just you have. You have, you know, three times less than you did before if you don't win, and so that that empty feeling leads to going back to try to fill it up from the same well again and right. again and again. 
Right. And it seems like, and tell me if you guys agree with this, but it seems like <clears throat> in terms of earning money, like when you look at earning money, it's not a biblically uh, full of integrity model of earning money. It's like right. I want it by chance. It's not I worked hard. It's not that I toiled or I labored or I built something. It's that I risked money and I got money in return. Dude, did you, did you guys happen to catch that Netflix documentary about the Christian card counters in Vegas? I saw about it, but I never no. actually watched it. That it's sounds really fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, it was great. It was actually really, really well done. That that company, I think, did two documentaries. One was they did about Fight like, Church too. Did you watch? They Fight did Church? Fight Church, which was really boring. I thought that was you know not nearly as good. But yeah. the but the Vegas one was really interesting, and it had some some big characters. And and really, the the most interesting thing about it, I think, was their their justification of you know why this is a legitimate way to make money because it's kind of you know sticking it to casinos and it was I mean, almost I, like Robin Hood, right? Like steal from yeah. the rich, give to the poor, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, in in true human fashion, I mean, the first person you always convince is yourself, you know. And they were they were truly convinced that they were doing the Lord's work, and it was noble. And um, but but yeah, there was still kind of something slimy and and dirt baggy about it. So it, uh, that just sounds like the same. That's the same reasoning that people use to go on like jihads or crusades. I'm doing the Lord's work by hurting other people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's not that's not real solid reasoning. Well, and and I think the 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 movie illustrated that you kind of have to plunge so deep into the darkness that you know whatever good you're doing, like whatever you know few thousand dollars you're taking the casino for, kind of isn't worth the the sort of cosmic damage that you're doing to yourself by having to like you know put on a disguise and skulk around in casinos all night. Yeah, I, I guess to me, in terms of upstanding ways to earn a living god god's given people gifts and talents and yes one of those can be mathematical skills that can be aimed at counting cards for example or putting together statistical models that help you figure out who's most likely to do well in any given fantasy football matchup if you want to game that system but there are ways to do that that actually benefit other people instead of leeching off of other losers to 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 make your own money oh sorry go ahead Every skill can be put to a positive advantage. I mean, even if even if you're you're working in say an entertainment field, you're still doing something that's creating a product. You're all you're doing if you're winning at gambling is taking somebody else's losses and pocketing them. That is the only thing that is happening. You benefit yourself and no one else. It's it's not. I mean, it does strike me as an immoral way to make a living. There was a really fascinating article in Wired um, about. Guys, and I couldn't kind of couldn't believe this, but guys who make a living by winning games at Dave and Buster's. What? Yeah, they so <laughs> like for example, they're they know the the secret tricks to getting like incredible like thousands and thousands of tickets from these particular games, mm-hmm. which they then trade in for like a PlayStation or an Xbox or an iPad, which they then sell on eBay. Mm. And I think one guy, I mean, I think one guy was making like 50 grand a year doing this. Wow. Yeah, he would go in and there's like this underground culture of uh, like game, like figuring out the, the glitches in these games, exploiting them, getting thousands of tickets. And it was a great article. Really interesting. Uh, that t- sounds profoundly sad to me because I think the, the question that I would want to ask would be. So you're taking this like essentially fun thing, which is playing games at a fun place, 
and you're making it into a job, which kind of by definition makes it not fun anymore. Um, I would want to. I'd want to ask if it's not fun anymore. Did the article uh, touch on that at all? It seemed like the guys. I'll try and remember to send it to you. It seemed like the guys still kind of got like a almost like a gambling rush out of it because mm. they. It was like you know, sort of that instant gratification thing going on. Um, but I don't know. It didn't specifically ask, like, is it fun anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I don't know. It was, it's just, to me, that sounds, doesn't that sound like kind of a, like also just like a really sad sort of boring way to make a living, like living in Dave and Buster's. Like, I can't think of <laughs> yeah. a worse oh. place to live. <laughs> like, I hate that place. Yes. I mean, it's Dave and Buster's is just like uh, Chuck E. Cheese for adults. Yeah, it <laughs> or is. circus pizza or whatever it is in your area of the country. Chuck E. Cheese down here. We took my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese for her birthday, and uh, that's about all I could handle one one time per year. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, let's talk about a- another interesting storyline going on. So the Cubs <clears throat> just got swept by the Mets, and uh, Ted, you yeah, I know. Ted, you were mentioning uh, the storyline of sort of needing losers. In, were you saying in sports or in life? Well, I just think it gives something uh, for people to identify with. And, and the reason I thought of it was in light of the movie uh, Back to the Future 2, which, you know, granted is, a, is, you know, kind of a hard thing to talk about. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't begin to know how to introduce that. But I, but I think, you know, in Back to the Future 2, there was this storyline where they went to right now, basically, and uh, and the Cubs were in the World Series, which the the joke was, you know, ha ha, the Cubs are so bad for so long they'll never get there, and um, and here we are with them not getting there, and um, and I think people have become so kind of comfortable with the Cubs as losers. It would be it would be somewhat mind blowing for a, a perennial loser like that to uh, to have actually won a World Series. So it's you know the the morning after them getting swept i find myself kind of being relieved that they lost you know what i mean cuz it's like it's sort of the uh in the fabric of your universe and if they win it almost like disrupts the fabric of what you know to be true and how the way how the world works here's here's well, the thing like if if they win so in in 2004 the red sox won the world series for the first time since what i think 1908 yeah. something mm-hmm. like that um and and it was a, this amazing thing. Now, granted, they had the huge comeback against the Yankees and all this stuff, but uh, they no longer matter as a baseball team. It's true. Right? The the up until that point, every time they would get near the postseason, there was this massive story and interest of is this going to be the year? No, let's go show uh, highlights of Bill Buckner letting the ball bounce through his legs and and all this stuff. And now they don't matter because because their identity is now just oh they're a baseball team in a fairly large market and maybe they'll be competitive or maybe they won't and that's exactly what will happen to the cubs should they ever win the world series they will stop mattering so do you think we need basically perennial losers i do i, think, I mean I, I think they make for better stories they make for better stories they give you someone to root for but they also sort of uh, underscore i think the idea that that most People are perennial losers, and I don't, I don't mean that in a in a kind of you know downgrading way toward most people. But but I I think most of us can relate more to mm-hmm. not living our dreams than living our dreams. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I think the existence of of teams like the Cubs it, it sort of makes them more winsome. It makes them more likable, and and not to mention all those like 
Northsiders would become even more insufferable if the Cubs uh, actually did win a World Series. As yeah. a as a former Chicago area resident, I can heartily agree with that. I think <laughs> exactly. I think it, the, what Ted just said about relating to losers is I think is spot on because sports is about the only thing in life where there's only one successful entity at the end of a season, mm-hmm. one successful team, one successful player, one successful uh, uh, competitor. In every other area of life. Lots of people can be successful. The Cubs had an amazing year. They won 97 games. That's They were the third best team in their division by record, but 97 games is an insanely successful baseball season. And they're still losers in the sports world because they, they're not the one, one team left standing. In the rest of life, you can take great satisfaction in having success without ever having to be the best. Now, you strive to be the best. You strive to fulfill your dreams, whatever it is. But, but there is... It's a weird thing to call a team that won 97 games and, and exceeded expectations a, a losing team. Well, let, me flip, yeah. let me flip the tables a little bit. Do you guys think that, like, for example, do you think that one of the reasons, like, the Patriots are so despised is, I mean, obviously they've got all the surrounding things like cheating and the Flategate and Spygate going on. But it seems to me like I one of the reasons I hate the Patriots is because they always win. And but same, you, same with the Yankees for like 15 years yeah, from the mid-90s I mean, up to, you know, five years ago. Yeah, and so do you think, and to your point, Ted, do you think that part of it is like I can't relate to people that always win? I can't relate to Tom Brady who always wins the Super Bowl. And so yeah. therefore I, I dislike him. You know, I think it was easier to hate the Yankees for all those years because they had a bigger budget. You know what I mean? Yes. It was it was sort of like hating the the rich kid at school because they were playing by different is, rules. They, yeah. yeah, they were playing by different rules. They, they were like they budget. were buying their championships. Almost they were buying their championship because why wouldn't they? You know, they they had the resources to do that. You know, I think with New England, for me, um, I actually find them fascinating, and I like them because of how they've been able to stay you know, consistently successful in a, in a league that's designed for parity. You know, the league is designed uh, for, ba- for bad teams to get good every few years and for good teams to become bad. And, uh, and New England has just stayed good. And I think that's, uh, I think that's really admirable and, uh, and interesting. Um, so I, I have a harder time hating the Patriots than I would like a New York Yankees. See, I, I, for me, the Patriots, oh, man, they're just – I feel like they're just uh, – they just want they. I feel like they want me to hate them. Like, like Brady, yes, they do. Brady is they just absolutely like, love being hated. It is the fuel that drives them. They love being <laughs> it's, hated. It's a different kind of like. It was the same with the Ravens a couple years ago. Not the Ravens were more like a thuggish. We want you to hate hate us. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are almost like a smug like. They're the country rich, club. We yeah, like us. country club, rich guy, like Tom Brady married to the model. We want you to hate us kind of thing. Bob Kraft wears those stupid white-collar shirts. Ugh. That's oh, yeah, those are the worst. different shirt, Bob. <laughs> those are kind of gangster, except he doesn't have a gangster face at all. You know? <laughs> he, he, looks like, he looks like William Shatner. <laughs> no, I, I wrote an article maybe last year during the last really successful Patriots run. Well, I guess that's been going on since 2001 at this point. But about how villains are really good for sports because they're really good for anything that that needs tension and narrative t- to thrive. It, yeah. A movie without a bad guy is a boring movie or without tension of some kind. But villains create tension. And they're, they are the best villain the NFL has seen since, I don't know, like the 
the Packers in Paul Horning's day or something like that, Vince Lombardi. I mean, they just they beat everybody and they do it year in and year out. And uh, it's fantastic as a fan because love them or hate them, you need them. And I think losers are the same way. So love them or hate them, you kind of need them because they they create they're sort of an and the Cubs are unique because they're the lovable losers, not just they they're, they're not the you know the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers of Donald Sterling's day or something like that. They're not the like they're not the laughable losers. They're the, yeah, they're not the ugh. They're just <laughs> they're just embarrassing to everybody. It's it's yeah. It's like it's like slapstick. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting now that the Ravens are really bad this year. Uh, you know, Terrell Suggs is out. Ray Lewis is gone. Ed Reed's gone. All the the sort of gangster guys are gone. All the scary guys are gone. Yeah, and and it's interesting. There's not nearly to me as much tension in the AFC North. Like with the Bengals right. atop the league, it's like the Bengals. I mean, Andy Dalton is the quarterback. Yeah, it's right? it's like the baby brother who just sort of shot up and he's six inches taller than all of his siblings and you kind of go, "Oh, well, where would that guy come from?" It's just this weird sort of upstart. Yeah, and Andy Dalton feels to me like the classic, like, maybe I don't know enough about him, but he's like a middle America kind of guy. He just kind of clean, upstanding, doesn't get into trouble. You just say that because he looks completely Irish. Dude, don't we feel that way about all redheaded men, though? <laughs> Isn't that strange? They all look kind of boyish and sort of, sort of out of place. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, there's, like a there's... toddler in a suit. Yeah, they like they should all wear "Kiss Me, I'm Irish" shirts, and uh, yeah. and they sort of have a, a touch of a leprechaun-y sort of charm to them. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, th- yeah, and it, but that's horrible tell- people. <laughs> all of our redheaded male listeners are are either they just really can't. insulted or really really complimented right now. Yeah, you're a horrible person. I don't feel that way about <laughs> Irish people. Well, I'm, I didn't say about Irish people. I said about redheaded just, men. I don't just feel that. Men. I don't feel that way about redheaded Irish people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. Just the AFC North has a very, uh, I don't know, non-dramatic feel this year, mm-hmm. and that because there's no. You're right. There's sort of like no villain in the the division, dude. Which begs the question: What's the like? What's the new like Smash Mouth division in pro football? And is there one? I don't know. Do you think there is one? I don't know. I don't think there is one. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of NFC West. Although with the Seahawks down this year, it's it's a little bit That's less so. But they have they have the Cardinals, the Niners, who have been good every year except this year, uh, mm-hmm. the Seahawks, and now the Rams, who have a killer defense and a running back who looks like he's the next Adrian Peterson. Yeah, but like none of those teams are doing it. Like the Cardinals just got beat by the Steelers. The the 49ers are down, the Seahawks are down, and the Rams aren't well, that great. Let's be fair. The AFC North hasn't done it for a few years either because the Steelers haven't had a good defense since they won the Super Bowl. The Bengals are okay, and the Ravens are about the only real decent team in that division, and the Browns are they're, they're the laughable losers. They are. So they have that, been. That was, a say, repu- that was a reputation that lasted longer than the reality. Yeah, I yeah. would say they ha- that's true, except this year it's sort of turned around again with the Bengals are atop the North. Steelers are doing well. It's it's sort of. I feel like the division is turning again. Oh, Andrew Jones. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have that brutal like. No, it doesn't. Up kind of connotation. It doesn't. You're right. Although, it, will it that ever happen in the NFL again? Considering that nobody's allowed to hit anymore. Dude, that's a really good question, man. I uh, I don't know. We we may have seen the last of that. It's turning that- into flag football. Mm. I mean, you're still. I mean, it's still tackle football, but like those hits that that would, you know, the, Heinz Ward would have gotten kicked out of half the games he played in if he played today because every single crackback block would have been flagged, and 
the tugging on the face mask. I mean, all of that, just those tough, dirty guys, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, those guys, they Dude, I don't remember. Know that, Remember when we were kids and the NFL used to put out like the VHS tapes called like yeah. French Wars and it was yeah, like a yeah. it was a full hour of people just getting concussed, <laughs> people getting concussed. Yeah, it was amazing. I know. Oh. I, I, they, they, if they sold those again now, people our age and older would would buy them by the by the oh, bushel. For They're like collectors' items. They'd be like a collectors' item. They're amazing. I, would, I, I still have a, a, I have a few the VHS NFL's greatest hits. Yep. Well, folks, we've wandered to and far on the podcast. We are thankful to Chaz Marriott for dropping by. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, we are grateful for your reviews on iTunes. Go to iTunes, one click, leave a review. If you uh, if you write a review, there's a good chance we'll read it on the air. We only also, if it's fawning and positive. Yeah, only if it's fawning and positive. Or, no, we or, are, uh, or acidically negative. Yeah, a one star. We like we like one star <laughs> acidic negative reviews. Um, also, uh, we, thanks to Lem Street Mobile for being the sponsor. If you go to Lem Street Mobile, you can get a great deal. Barnabas, what's the deal on that again? So LemStreet.com, you can get a protection plan that it's a no-term contract, uh, $5 a month with a $69 deductible to repair any broken phone. Use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout, and you'll get a 10% discount on that and a 10% uptick in value on any trade-ins you send in. So LemStreet.com. And the code is Happy Rant when you check out, and it's it's less than half the price of the the protection plans you get through most of your service providers. Do it. Also, folks. you'll get ten percent taller. <laughs> I did it, and I'm I'm almost six five now. <laughs> so there's that. And you can dunk. Yeah, yeah. You get ten percent awesomer. Exactly. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Peace the heck out. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.